Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and old lady thief, <laughs> Alex Dandino. All right, we today's exquisite episode, award-winning episode. People, it's official. We're on Patreon. That's right, patreon.com slash Film Alchemist Pod. The best way to help us grow the show. The best way to help us keep the lights on over here. But also, a fantastic way for you to uh, get some more amazing content. We have a massive Patreon-exclusive library that's ever-growing. We got our mini-series, Tales from the Crypt. We got commentaries. We can even record a specific double feature at your behest if you uh, are so kind over there. Again, that's patreon.com slash Pod. The best way to support the show. Thank you guys uh, who already support us. You know it means the world to us. Thank you as well for those of you who are about to. On the fence, maybe. Thank you, thank you. Uh, if you can't financially support to the show, we get it, man. There are free and easy things you can do to help podcasts like us, right? You can uh, subscribe to the podcast. You can subscribe to the YouTube Film Alchemist. Uh, you can leave ratings and reviews, five-star ratings and reviews on every app you find us. That helps us uh, defeat the algorithmic martial artist whoremongers that we're raging against. If you could help us with that, five stars, why you like us. Uh, you can email us, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. There's also something really important you can do for us. We are on all the socials as well. If you have a movie-loving friend, reach out. Share an episode with your movie-loving friend. Maybe it's a movie they love. Maybe it's a movie they should love. Maybe it's a movie they hate, and we're going to swing them the other way. Uh, just send that message, man. Let them know that we're out there. Those are things that you can do that help the show enormously and don't uh, cost anything if that's not something you're able to do. More than anything, guys, thank you for joining us. All right. The pods won Oscars late. <laughs> Is that what we're doing? Is that the I'm workshopping we... still. Uh, we have time, man. We, we, record, time. we record in the ancient past. That's how tricky we are. We're time travelers of uh, the podcast. <laughs> Essentially, the thesis of this, this month's curation. We were talking about how joyous the Oscars were this year, right? In a way that I think a lot of Oscars are not. This was the year that when I was at my watch party and just me personally, man, when they kept, you know, announcing who won actress, actor, picture, director. I mean, my house was screaming. We were jumping out of our seats euphoric. We were so happy that all these people were winning. Mm -hmm. So we said, what if we take the four best actor winners, right? All people who have had long runs in Hollywood that you honestly didn't know that was going to bring them to, that Academy Awards stage. Mm -hmm. So we thought it'd be a really kind of fun journey to take our, our Academy Award winning actors this year, especially, and go back and look at some of their early catalog. So we hope you guys enjoyed School Ties with Brendan Fraser. Today, we're going to the Wayback Machine, uh, my high school era, I think. This was uh, the Y2K era, yeah. right? Was This is 2000? Yeah. 2000. So this was, uh, yeah, this was like a pivotal, I was becoming a man age of my life. Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon with Michelle Yeoh. And I think what's interesting about this movie is this was the big foreign uh, kind of like martial arts film that broke through. Yeah. This one had a real shot. It was mm -hmm. the most nominated film at the Academy Award that year, I believe. I think it had nine. 
It had nine ten, to eleven nominations. Ten, ten yeah. nominations. So somewhere in that range, right? It had a ton of nominations. I still think it is the the floating fighting that took it out of contention against Gladiator. Also, Gladiator's an all time great movie. So you kind of run Hard into be a Gladiator. buzzsaw there. Yeah. But there's shit you you see in the Academy Award nominations, right? We pulled this up. And Soderbergh one for director, right? For traffic. So, yeah. Or traffic, yeah. Ang Lee lost, which I think kind of sucks, right? Uh, you, but this is where I, I thought this was interesting. Gladiator beating Crouching Tiger does not shock me in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Chow Yun-Fat not nominated for Best Actor for Master Lee Mubai. Michelle Yeoh not nominated uh, for Best Actress for Yushu Lin. Zhang Ziyi not nominated for best supporting actors for Jin Yu, right? And you see this, right? So, like, Aaron Brockovich won, Julia Roberts won, Benicio Del Toro as Javier Rodriguez, that was a great role. Marsha Gay Harden for Pollock, all right. Uh, but, like, they have two people, two best supporting actresses, right? Kate Hudson and Frances McDormand from fucking Almost Famous, and we got no room for Zhang Ziyi for best supporting actress? Are you fucking kidding me? Listen. Are you fucking kidding me? For best actress, right? Look, I get your point, but... Honestly, Ellen Burstyn should have probably been in best supporting. That would have rolled her in. Laura Lenny. I mean, you can't talk... I hate talking shit about these actresses that got some shine. Right. But what it said to me was like this big motion picture, this big foreign film, right? It won all the awards, but it can't really win like the big awards. Right. We're boxing it out of, you well, know... The, the acting cat, like, well, this is the and so two- there's a thought of me where it's like, Michelle Yeoh, if not for that film, how is Michelle Yeoh getting back to that stage? Right. Right? And I think it was one of those that felt like that was the shot that was missed. I guess. I mean, like, I think you just got to, like, if you contextualize it in the time, you know, like, that I think is the harder thing. Like, for me, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was like, I remember seeing the trailer and then I, not nah, this sounds like my parents wouldn't take me. No, like I told my parents, was like, hey, I really want to go see this movie in the theater. So they had to. Dr- oh, my parents were not going to watch a subtitled martial arts film in the theater. Well, yeah, my parents didn't go with me. Like this was like a thing. Yeah. I was like, I really want to go. go see this movie in the theater, and they're like, cool. I'm like, okay. So I actually remember. I remember we went to um, in Sol. Uh, I think it's it was either in Solon or Macedonia. Ohio because there were two like we didn't have a movie theater in Aurora but there was like every city around us had a theater but the one that I always went to was either Chagrin was in the um in Solon or Macedonia because they had the nicer theaters so we went to um we went to the Macedonia theater it was me and Matt Gomer and Andy Kobeljanic went to go see this movie I remember the names. I don't know how. Did you guys have like a sexual dalliance here? This seems like a very like burning your brain memory. I well, it was because it was the first time. It was the first movie I saw in theaters. It was foreign language for one, and I remember oh, yeah. a lot of a lot of people. There's a good chance it was my first foreign language movie in the theater as well. I really wanted to see it, and they were like, "Oh yeah, we'll go." So my parents drove us to the theater, dropped us off, and I remember. Two or three people when we said, like, because, like, you know, you tell people when you, you make these, when you're kids, especially without before the advent of cell phones and stuff like that, you're like, 
what are you going to do this week? And we're like, oh, I'm going to go see Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Like, oh, the subtitles movie? And I'm like, yeah, because it's fucking awesome. It looks awesome. We went, we went and sat in the theater, and I was just blown away. Like, that was, like, a huge moment for me. Because, one, I was like, wow, I'm seeing a movie that I normally would never have seen because <laughs> I live in America, and I would be not denied this awesomeness. And then, two, this is absolutely... Like, there's no way America, like American audiences love, would love this movie. I don't understand why we would have been denied this. It was crazy to me Honestly, to think though, that this wouldn't happen. I actually disagree, man. I think that what I love about this movie is how it doesn't quite fit with the American kind of storytelling. I'm not and saying, so, like, it, I'm not saying it fits where... with the American storytelling. I'm saying it has the aesthetic for an American audience. Like, that's what I'm I saying. Was great. Outside of the action scenes, I think this movie is not the kind of thing that would normally break through here, right? Like, I think there are movies that there's American cinephile audiences that love foreign films and they embrace them for what they are. Sure. I think this is a hard sell to this day. Every time I watch it, I'm like, man, if they would have taken out the fucking floating, like there's something about the way when they're like running across buildings where it's like, their legs are moving, but they're not touching anything. It's like, it just doesn't work for me more than it works. I, because, like, when they're on the ground fighting, you're like, the, the choreography is stunning. Sure. Like, when uh, Michelle Yeoh and Zhang Ji are having their showdown at the end, how long will you last as my enemy? You're like, that fight fucking rocks. Yeah. Because they're down on the ground. But there's something about them, like, floating about that just, you know, we're Americans, man. Like, we like Rocky movies. We like to feel the punches. And this I... one kind of floats its way through. To this day, I've still never, in my mind, I'm like, what if this was just a historical piece, like a historical fantasy mm -hmm. that didn't have the floating? How much closer would it have been to taking on I'll Gladiator? Tell you, I'll tell you right now, the reason I liked this movie was actually, the, a big part of the action that I liked in this movie was that. Well, I mean, it's a superhero movie. It makes sense. It just visually to the eye... It makes me be like, they're not fighting hard. Like, what's happening? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I just never loved the floating. Um, but I think they use it to good effect towards the end. I think right? it's used to good effect. But it's like, it's like her. So it's like uh, Zheng Ziyi and Chow Yun-Fat fighting in the tree. Mm -hmm. That just looks fucking stupid. Like, when they stop and they do the slow-mo of, like, the leaves falling as they're, like, taking each other in. Beautiful shots. Why are you fighting on the fucking twigs? Like, it looks fucking stupid. It just looks stupid. When she's trying to shake him off and he can't be shook, that part, great. But it just, it just, it has this just, thing where I'm like, if you took the floating out and you just kept this in the dirt with them doing awesome choreography, could they have gotten 20% closer to chasing Gladiator for best picture? That's been, always been my conspiracy theory. With this movie, I love. I, I don't. Here's the thing. It's a fine conspiracy. I do not think it's true. And here's why. I think for a lot of American audiences, it doesn't feel like they're fighting. Uh, I No. To your to your point, though, uh, no. I do not think that that's like... I don't I don't think that that would have gotten You don't think somewhere John Wayne in his old estate was like, I do think so. Even though he was dead by then. <laughs> no. I Whoever mean, like, Clint Eastwood's watching out with that fucking face, like, ugh, that Gran Torino face, like, ugh. <sighs> foreigners not fighting what's with, with all these cuffs? what's with all this floating i don't understand without guns. but he's just mad as shit i'm gonna have to get more new teeth 
<laughs> I guess I'll make Jersey boys. No, um, I, I don't think that. Yeah, I don't it, agree with Clint on much, but I think they should have fought. I think they should have had real fights. I don't think. I don't think. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon wouldn't have gotten any closer that year to winning. A, because Gladiator is a fucking incredible movie. It's a juggernaut. But the but other they're very po- similar. They run very similar paths. No. But um, the w- the way I would... This is not... This is the... Like, it's, a two th- it's 2000. And just culturally i don't see i don't see america being like oh yeah absolutely that is for sure best picture and also at that point no i let's, agree with that let's like, like it's just it's one of those things where like i think the fact that it if broke you take through, gladiator out of that race it fucking annihilates i mean i'm guessing traffic would have been the second vote getter traffic probably would have won to like, me this movie i would vote for this over traffic myself but but like i think the import the the cultural relevance aside i think that Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon broke through for two for two reasons. One is because fight choreography is pretty incredible, even with yeah. the floating, which I really like. I think it's no, absolutely. I think it's very interesting. I think it's a very interesting aesthetic. The other thing too, and this is something I read um, the other night after I was watching it, is Ang Lee went through and actually because Ang Lee was educated in the West. Angley went through and was very specific to make sure that this movie broke through to American markets. He did all of the subtitle translation himself. So he made sure the subtitles were very specifically built for Western audiences. You got to cater to us us Westerners. We're not learning anything from you. Which I think is very interesting. And I think is um, actually, even though people are like, I don't read subtitles, that's not for me. I got to tell you, that is probably a huge reason this movie broke through is because there's a like, it's not that we're, it's not that we're bad at reading. Well, some of us are, I don't know. It's not that we're bad at reading. It's that we need a very specific, we need a story set up a very specific way. And when it's not set up in a way that is culturally relevant for us, it is we want to know to who's in the streets and who's coming to the sheets. We got to know these things. We are. <laughs> we're a discerning audience, Americans. <laughs> no. Does he uh, have a big gulp? I, I mean, that I is an interesting point, that. though, right? Yeah. Is it how it feels relatable even as people are floating through the movie? I agree. Um, but there are times when the floating works really well. When they had the fight scene in the restaurant that they used in Legend of Drunken Master, right? Part mm-hmm. two, I think. Yeah. Which actually is the first foreign film I ever saw in the theater they did an american release of it and it fucking blew my mind the same restaurant right where all the dudes roll up and they've got all their different weapons which i always love right and they're gonna fight her right and she's like iron arm and he's like fucking performance enhancing his little you know his, his ego deflates his ego can't stay up anymore her being able to jump up and down between levels right the kind of floating in that environment works really well because right. it's used to shift the scene, and then you get back to just fucking awesome martial arts choreography. Right. It works way less on the rooftops and in big open courtyards, right? Where Michelle Yeoh is wasting half of her fighting power to just try to, like, keep her on the ground. Right. You're like, all right. But, like, in, in this thing, choreography is great. I'm just saying, take the floating out. <laughs> the floating became a memorable and weaponized barb with my group of friends about that movie i just don't have it's not a thing for me like i i 
for me, what it is, is it's a really, it's all about an aesthetic for me. And because yeah. it's no, so. I agree with that totally. I think that's what works for me is because it's, it's so a fairy different. Tale. Because it's so different and something I had not seen before. When I saw it when I was a kid, I thought it was just so fascinating. Now when yeah. I watch it when I'm older, I get your point. Like there is, because the fight choreography on the ground is so tactile and so oh, kinetic. So good. And yeah, it's great. She's got this like vibrating, like bouncy. I mean, it's just really visually yeah. arresting. So when that happens, I think what it is is when the floating thing starts happening, it almost and it's so quiet too. Like there's like there's the other, this is the other thing too. See that I like about it. Well, the that's stealth. what I'm saying. Like the sound effect is not the sound effect is silence, and this is really fascinating. But I think that that's what always threw me off when I was younger was that when I was watching it, I was always like. How come you can't hear them walking? Like that's like that American audience thing is like we're so used to everything being eighty yard, everything being a fully artist thing, which is cool. When it's the silence of yeah, like the stealth of oh, wow, this fighting it's like style a little robe fluttering. Yeah, like that is so specific a vibe. Thank God there were no strong breezes when they were fighting. <laughs> I think they're all wearing some form of undergarment, but, you know. They're all wearing, like, those fucking street racer capes. Uh, (laughs) Neither here nor there. Um, I think where this movie soars, right, because it is kind of this this fable, this martial arts fable. So there's an unreality built into a lot of it, right? Right. Fine. Because essentially this movie is a colliding intersection of three love stories. Because you've got Zhang Ziyi is being forced to marry, but she doesn't want to. Right. So she wants to marry the the falconeer of WAP, right? She wants to go back to that cage and get it wet. Oh, I love this nickname dude, you've given. Any guy who's skinny and just recreationally falconeers, I feel like fucks. But then yeah. I try to imagine the American version of them, and I'm like, oh, I don't think they do. Well, you said it before the pod. Put that in your it's, head. If you imagine you said it before the, the pod. in it's, your it's, hometown it's who falconeers... And do you think he's getting laid all the time? Just put that in your head. Your local small town falconeer. Do you think that guy's getting laid? Probably not. So maybe this falconeer is exceptional in the puss department. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe at this time. Maybe at this time in history. Like there was like, what are the three hottest professions? Hmm. Meditating monk, swordsmith, falconer. Those are the three things that get the ladies going. Giant forearms, right? Yeah. Show me what them hands do. Mm-hmm. Falcons are inherently sexy and sleek. Right, right. Totally get it. Meditating monks, though, they're the couch potato of their day. Hmm. Lee Mu Bai would say differently. Lee Mu Bai's out whipping asses. He's not meditating. His feet are meditating their way well, across the What I'm the saying wall. is meditating. Everyone always talks about how they're meditating. Like, yeah. Everybody knows deep down. Lee Mu Bai just... got bored of meditating. He's like, I need to come back and fight more. <laughs> so... What we know is that Lee Mubai is not a spiritual man. The meditation, he's like, yeah, I got really sad. So that I was came my back favorite. Start kicking motherfucker. I think that's the thing I love the most about the opening of this movie is like, so they sit down and they're having they're having tea, and he's they're just like, oh, you must have. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I just reached another place that my uh, mentor never told me about. And she's like, oh, enlightenment. And he's like, no, 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 I got like mega depressed. It wasn't yeah. you? When I stopped and thought about the totality of how I've spent my life and my actions. <laughs> And it bummed me out. So I said, hey, maybe Fucking she still bums wants me to get out, it man. in. <laughs> That's how he said it to try to be romantic. Something well, was pulling me back. 
and it wasn't my conscience. <laughs> well, Sir Tate tells her too. She's he's like, but I, I love that when she takes a, so she takes the Green Destiny um, to Sir Tate to be yeah. a, like as a gift because Limu Bai is giving he's up the a great light. guardian. Yeah, yeah, like Limu Bai is like I'm giving up this life, not my life no more. And I can't Sir, be I can't be pondering. This is ridiculous. <laughs> but Sir Tate, like they're sitting there, and he's like, hey. uh. Are you two ever going to get down or what? Like, that's like my favorite is basically he's like, you realize him giving up this sword means booty call. Like, come on. Yeah. He gives the sword to me. He's going to pass the sword to you. So Tay's really putting it on front street and literally just no. I love his line because he goes, you know, some people who are really brave and heroes are cowards when it comes to emotions. Emotions. Yeah. Because that's the thing, right? The young, the young love story is like this unrequited kind of wild will burn the world down love. Lee Mubai's love story, right, with, uh, fuck, what's, what's her character name? Michelle Yeoh's character name. Uh, their love story is, it's, it's, uh, it's forbidden love. Uh, you, it's, you Shulin? You Shulin? Lin, that's right. Yeah, Lin, Lin. So that's their, theirs is this kind of forbidden love, right? That Lee Mubai was brothers with, not like an actual brother, but like brothers with Lee's husband or Lin's husband. When he dies, they kind of both are like, this can't happen, even though they clearly have loved each other. So there's still, based on this old time responsibilities of roles and genders, um, their they're martial arts creeds, they're not letting it happen. Right. And some of the best stuff in this movie is watching those forbidden glances between the two. Right. There are moments when they look at each other, and it tells an entire fucking past of this emotional journey without having to say anything, right? Them just watching and knowing. There's a scene when they stop near the middle of the film in this small little hut for tea. And, he, and Lee Mubaitis takes her hand and puts it on his face. And it's glorious. And then he immediately turns around and says, nothing we can hold in this world has permanence. Can I... Stop real like, quick. Fucking and say, Lee Mubai, what are you doing? Can I stop and say this real quick? Because I've yeah. never properly notice this but chow yun fat is fucking handsome dude holy shit oh hell yeah dude oh you my ever God. watch uh what is it replacement killers yeah like that like uh he's he was I a think, good looking i think man. i'm just used to him even being with a... the world's dumbest haircut <laughs> i think i'm just used to him being an action star and not paying attention but like in these movies he like in this movie he gets all these is great there... like yeah, Quiet is moments. there any ceremonial haircut from any other culture that looks good? No. I guess like, like we used to have like the fryer tucks, right? With like the bald spot in the middle. Like was, that's a bad look. I was about to say, like, I feel like every haircut based in some form of religious um idolatry yeah. or this Rather haircut. Just be bald, honestly, than most of them. I've never I I, I should put in the You think time. that's important? It's like fucking kneel before God and look like a fucking dick. <laughs> look like a fucking dickhead? Yeah. <laughs> Make yourself as unattractive to women as possible and then bow before God. <laughs> and Chow Yun Fat's like, I tried. It didn't take I tried, but I am too goddamn <laughs> I'm handsome. Sorry, yeah. motherfucker. I should look up why because I've always wondered why that is the haircut. I don't I should have looked this up before the show, and I, I just don't know why that is the traditional haircut. Yeah, so someone can grab you by your patel and whoop your ass. But yeah, sorry. Didn't mean to derail. Chow Yun-Fat, though, gets these like wonderful moments where you just see him, and I was watching it last night, and I'm just like, I am lost in how handsome this man is. My goodness. 
He's got that stare, dude. He's, He's got, got that, that stare. He does. But yeah, that's that what I mean. Smolder. Yeah, that's what it is. So you're, you're really rooting for them. And Michelle Yeoh, too. Like, they are just, like, oh my God, beautiful dude. people. Like, beautiful. this movie is loaded with beautiful people, yeah. right? All, like, uh, the, I even the, thought the, that. I was like, even though Zhang Ziyi, I mean, just, like, it's stunning. Yeah. To look at how the whole cast beautiful. is. Yeah, the Falconeer looking. with just cheekbones as fucking bird could land on. It's like, dear <laughs> God. You know what, what, did, I mean? like, what did you call him before the pod? He's like. <laughs> the Falconeer of WAP? No, no. The, uh, he said he's like. They got the the Jadep vibe. That's what yeah, it is. Yeah. Like, before it all went bad, Jadep, a falconer. <laughs> He's like, bird, fetch me a wet-ass pussy. Go! Fucking <laughs> fuck. And the bird's like, got it. Mission 500, <laughs> Yeah, no, stunning-looking people. But watching them not be able to fully go for it, right, is beautiful in this film. There's even a scene when she's like, hey, Limu Bai's coming tonight when they get to the school and her mom's like, oh, I'll make the bed. It's like, damn, mom, chill. Um, but this all is this build up to this moment at the end, right? When Limu Bai gets hit with the poison dart, the same yep. one that killed his, his master, right? Yeah. So he avenges his master and kills the Jade Fox, but he's going to die. Watching Michelle Yeoh, and this is, this is the moment where you're like, I don't know what category... She had to be nominated to me for this movie. Had to. Like, it's ridiculous that she wasn't, right? The only excuse that it's a foreign film, maybe. I don't know enough about the politics of the Oscars at the time. She had to have been nominated for this movie to me. And that scene when, in her last breath, the man that she loves so fucking much. This is why they both should have been nominated, first of all. And she just goes, "Use your, don't waste your last breath. Use it to, you know, I know you don't like Enlightenment. I know you don't like it, but like. <laughs> Maybe do it for a moment, right? Do as you're trained to do. Right. And he turns to her and he just says, all my breaths have been wasted. Right? Like, I would rather be a spirit by your side than to enter heaven without you. Yeah. Right? Like, I will waste this last breath to tell you what we've both already known, but I'm going to say it is that I love you. In that fucking speech he gives, right? Like, I'll never be lonely even as a damn spirit because I'd be floating by your side. Mm-hmm. And watching her try to remain stoic, right? To tell him it's okay to not tell her. Oh, dude. And then he falls and she grabs him. You're like, that's it right there. Yeah. That's the fucking money-making moment. That every, I mean, it, this unrequited love, to see it end in this quiet but absolute nuclear detonation level of emotion. Right. While, again, remaining quiet, remaining small, like, remaining like in line with who these people are is just... I mean, if that doesn't get you up there, like, I don't know, man. If like, you want to talk about lovely, if you want to talk about enlightenment, like this, like, if we were a enlightened society, this absolutely mo this moment right here. Yes. Would have totally won these two Oscars at that moment. But I mean, honestly, even if they don't win, you got to put respect on these actors. Like you see that scene and you're like, these actors must be respected. I agree. It's. It is truly, it's truly upsetting. But like, f but for instance, like the BAFTAs gave Ang Lee, uh, BAFTAs gave Ang Lee Best Director, like, and it won, oh God, dude, I can't remember what else. I mean, it won so many, I mean, obviously like. Yeah. I mean, I you, think we always tend to do American act or British actors. We're fine with British actors getting up. You know what's crazy? But I, I think there is just a part of that. 
You know crazy Michelle though? Yeoh in this moment, you're like, when is she going to get a role that is more primed for award season than this movie again? Right. Right? You know There's what? a world in which this goes down as like, this was as close as she got. A great legendary career. You know what's crazy, though, is even um, they didn't even win Best Acting Awards at the Hong Kong Film Awards that year. That's what in, I mean. In the, mood I for lo- in the Mood for Love one. Which is a hard one to beat, because In the Mood That's for Love is That's a great pretty... fucking movie. Too. Yeah, exactly. Like, That's what I'm saying. They're not competing against In the Mood for Fucking Love, are they? <laughs> <laughs> They're competing about E. Brock. Not to talk shit from the past. I haven't seen that since my mother made us watch it. Eh. Eh. It's that moment alone. You know what, though? I actually hate trying to pluck awards from other people who I'm happy that won them. I'm not. We're not trying to replace. I'm just saying the fact that they were not even nominated. Yeah. Because the Oscars, they, they, they recognize this film a bunch. Yeah. If they just didn't recognize it, fine. You're like, all right, that just wasn't their flavor. How are you going to put it in for everything and not recognize what is the thing that makes this movie rise above a lot of other films that try to break through here? The ability to absolutely sink into these characters and empathize with where they are. Right. In a fucking period piece. Like. Right. A period piece fairy tale from another country. We are so instantly able to understand that moment. Right. It's okay. You haven't said it your whole life. Don't say it. No, I got to say it. That's and something. And finally getting really to touch and hold the man that she loves only in his death. When she takes the sword to Zhang Ziyi mm-hmm. and she walks over, she drops Li Mu Bai and walks over like a stone cold fucking killer. Yeah. And she stops the sword by Zhang Ziyi's head and she just goes, whatever path you take, just be true to yourself. This person who hates this woman, right? This woman led to the death of her lover, right? Yeah. Or who she wanted to be her lover. And she just stops and says, I just lost everything. I wasted an entire life because I was not true to myself. And gives her the gift of letting her leave and says, don't do the same thing. Like, we as an American audience, we've cut through all the things that seemingly would be hard for an audience to get through. You totally empathize with that moment. I'm so fucking mad and broken that I can't even fight anymore. Yeah. And I'm just telling you, this is going to be you if you don't fucking stop. Like, I mean, it's so instantly relatable on an emotional human level. Can can I ask about the ending? Are we there yet? Can I ask about how Let's save the ending. Because we haven't talked about a lot of the other stuff. What we're talking about is... That was another thing a lot of people I knew hated the ending of this movie. But, but that's why I want to talk about it. <laughs> I completely disagree. Spoiler alert. I think, I think they're that, fucking cool. I think it's I think it's a cool ending. That's me. I think it's fucking cool. So the other story we see is that the uh Jadep of Falconeers is fucking raiding, he's pillaging. We do like a Lawrence of Arabia segue. Yeah, yeah. He gets her out of the caravan. Well, she chases his ass down. We're talking about I'm gonna Jen. fight you. I'm I'm gonna get you, right? Right, Jen. So Jen's chasing him down. Uh, and right, they they have this really because like, he takes strange, the comb. Right, he takes her comb. Mm-hmm. They have this bizarre kind of foreplay ritual of like trying to murder each other. Yeah, like when you stab someone and then it turns into like halt. halt yeah, it's action. like uh, yeah, it's a murder boner. You know, it's the yeah. thought of extinguishing a human life is what is what it's. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah, no, oh boy, oh boy, we call them serial killers here in America, but. <laughs> You know, to each their own, right? 
When you get an erection, what are you going to do? You do harm to others. When you get an erection, what are you going to do? Yeah, Dahmer's like, I get it, man. This this movie rules. I want to watch this film again. Uh, <laughs> and we'll sit down and watch this after Return of the Jedi. Do you see the part where she stabbed the guy? That got hard. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> He's holding a knife. The guy. Are you hard? I'm. I'm hard. Are you hard? I'm hard. <laughs> Our version of Dahmer's turning into church lady. Yeah, they are kind. Of- they're not that far off. I bet if you asked Dana Carvey, a big chunk of that was Wisconsin. Uh, but yeah, so they they form this like can never be relationship, right? Yeah, yeah. He lets her go back to the world. Later, he jumps in and he's like, I should have never let you go. Come with me. Don't get married, right? He's out here running amok in the streets, attacking her parade. He wants her back. This part of the story, I think, is also pretty fucking relatable for us. We don't have arranged marriages here and this and that. But well, this, you know, your parents want you to do don't. one thing, you're going the other. <laughs> the thing that is interesting is this lady at the turning point of how she's going to let the rest of her life unfold. She also has this devious uh, mentor, right? The Jade Fox, this murderous bandit who escaped from the temples of Wuhan or, you know, however she did, right? Essentially that... Lee Mubai's master was kind of a whoremonger, she says. And so she took the fucking scrolls, killed his ass, and, like, escaped, right? And she's like, I'll take the power for myself. She felt like she had been fucking betrayed by this this learned master, right? Right. I'm assuming what she said is true. Like, we don't really have anything in the movie that says that that didn't happen. Right. So she has this, like, righteous rage, right? So when she comes to work for Jen's family, she starts working with Jen. Right. Like I can show you how to get out. So this woman who had been crushed by this, you know, institution run by men is now like, I'll help you fucking burn everything down and turn again. Right. So we have these people pulling from all sides. Right. You got the desert wop. You got the Jade Fox. And then you have Michelle Yeoh's character who's trying to like she kind of sees what's happening. Yeah. And she's trying to pull her like down this traditional path. I think that's really fucking relatable, right? It's like you have these options before you, and you got all these people fucking pulling you. But no matter who's saying it, you as a young person are kind of like, you know what? Fuck off. I don't want to do what anyone says, right? So even if you're right, fuck off. I hate you. And so I think that is the superpower of this movie that is about superhumans. Yeah. Is that ability to fully empathize and sink into this tale. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's, I, I it's just hugely relatable. I don't know how else to like that. To me, is my a movie you wouldn't think would be. I would contend. Yeah, I think that that's like the. I think that is the. That is the overarching contention that I think not contention. That's the wrong way to put it, but that's the overarching. All the overarching themes in this movie are so, unbelievably relatable, but mm-hmm. like. That one particularly is like to me. Jen's story is almost like the perfect reason for like people who are our age when the movie came out to go see it. Like you still, you're we totally were teenagers, there. yeah. You're totally and locked so I'm in. Fully related, right? Yeah, absolutely. But like you're totally locked in for like Lee Mubai and Shulin's love story. But then, because like you're rooting for Shulin a lot of the movie like for me that's like my favorite character in the movie oh, and you want yeah. everything cool and so you want everything cool to happen to her so like when Z- 
when uh, Jen is basically like when Jen steals the green destiny and all this other cool shit, like Jen becomes essentially like the successor for the the sword itself. I remember being well. Jen, Jen just presents this fucking righteous fury, right? Like it, what Zhang Ziyi accomplishes in this film, right? Is Jen? I mean, just she's a fucking flamethrower in this movie. It's it's a fucking stunning performance to me. Yeah. Um. So I love that. Like I'm an innocent. Like I'm just a young girl. Let's be like sisters, right? right. Like my my parents are mean to like. How long will you last as my enemy? Right? Well, like, yeah, right. But that's like it's a that Pacino to me, role. <laughs> that to me is the thing wow. about her performance in the movie. Is yeah, I feel that, like I relate to saying I relate to uh, Jen's character so much because we were young at least at the time when we saw it. But I wanted Michelle Yeoh to be the yeah, successor you know to the funny, though? Destiny. That's how it. That's she what couldn't I, though. She couldn't I know. touch Lee Mubai. And that's she like didn't the, want to touch that. That's like the hard. That was the hard thing for me when I was young. I really wanted Michelle, you know, to inherit the Green Destiny. It was it was like in the theater. I remember being upset. I was like, "Why is she fighting this girl who stole? She this girl who stole the sword has no honor. That doesn't make any yeah. sense." Like I was like I was. I remember being like angry in the theater that right Zhang Ziyi's wants- character. Michelle Yeoh is trying to get them away from Wuhan. Right, right. Right? Wuhan has now cost her two men she loves. Right. Right? She can't have the life she wants because she wants to be in that small room having tea. Right? right? Talking and embracing and loving a man who's, like, stuck on this aisle. I have to go do this because, like, eventually old age is just going to take the Jade Fox at this rate. Right. I don't know how old that lady is supposed to be. Right? But, like. What was the average life expectancy back then? Right? Like, this is going to happen one way or another. Um, But he just, he can't stop. He has all these things he has to do, right? So her being bound by this honor code to not be able to embrace her love. And then watching this other young girl who sees this, these teachings of Wuhan as a way to fucking lash out at the world. I think it's this perfect fucking balance right i love watching her her righteous fury form and grow and grow right and there's that moment where we first see her kind of step out and those two guys walk up like look at this little bitch we're gonna we're gonna walk up and strong arm this little bitch and she just fucking chops their swords before they can even get out they come back with more guys and she's just like you little motherfuckers you want to go just fucking flame throwing anyone in her path right Right? Because she wants to fucking feel in charge for once. She doesn't want to be handed away to anything. She wants to fucking have agency. And so it's this, even though she's without honor and presented as this kind of almost light villainous character for a moment, because she's aligned with Jade Fox, who you think she'll like eventually rise above that, there's a righteousness to what she's doing. All of those fucking attacks, you're like, yes. Yes, I am down for you to fucking have at these people. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's this kind of fire and ice storylines. It just fucking works so well. And honestly, I love the Jade Fox story, right? Just this really hurt yeah. person who went out and just started dealing out pain. Her journey is also equally relatable, right? It just takes another path, right? Kind of a sadder, tragic path. But I thought she was fucking great in the movie. That first scene when she like is like, ah, I'm the Jade Fox, and she starts beating everyone's ass. It's great. 
It's a great fucking scene. It's awesome. I just love, I love all the actors and characters in this movie so much. Yeah. When she fucking stuck that detective in the head or inspector with his own little weapon, you're like, holy shit. Like, I wasn't expecting that level of, like, violence in this film. That was, like, <laughs> think, a real punctuation yeah. mark. Like, things are different now moment. I think at that point because, it, yeah, and I think that what's fascinating is that's such a great character point for her because, like, no one else is willing to go, like, that hard in this movie. So the fact that she does, like, But she oh, even shit. pauses when she's like, oh, he was an inspector? Fuck. Right. But, like, like now she they, also. Now the heat's back. Right, but she's yeah. See, that's the other thing too. Is like she's prepped for the heat. She knows what's coming. Yeah, but she also is like, I'm willing to take it there. What now? Yeah. Well, she's like, I'm cool to just keep doing this laundry. But I guess now we're back. Like now the fire's back, and I'm in it. But see, even her when when uh, Jen turns on her, right? She's still because Jen's like, I surpassed you long ago. You watched like the hurt in her face because she's pretty much like, I passed you because you can't read. Right. And Jade Fox like, damn, that was that was a low blow. Not cool. No honor amongst thieves, I guess. And then but she's like, I still have a lesson or two to teach you. Yeah. And she wasn't wrong. She wasn't wrong. She does end up being a teacher one last time in that cave. I just think it's beautiful storytelling. Even though I don't always love these kind of vignette shifting like half the movie's yours, half the movie's yours. That's not always my favorite way to I watch feel, a movie. I feel like a this lot of the time. This one is done really well. I feel like a lot of time this is like a lot of I've seen like like enough Chinese cinema is a lot a lot of vignettes and a lot of like flashbacks and that kind of thing, especially when we're watching movies about uh, this time period. But to me, it really works, I think, because because like the overall themes never shift, like we're always focusing on, especially in this movie, it's always about the pursuit of unrequited love the pursuit of not just enlightenment but like enlightened self so it's the heavy weight of expectations yeah right what you're supposed to be versus what you really want to be right so to me that that makes sense like you're always pretty bonded to it and so at the end when limu buys dead right like my question i the question that i kept asking myself in this movie why does Lee Bai want to train her so bad? I assume it's because he sees... I've always assumed when you see someone try to mentor someone immediately... He's like, that's another person who does not like meditating. I'm in. Yeah, pretty much. Just I like, don't have to teach the meditation chapters. Well, it's like, like, I feel like because she's wielding the green destiny in such a way, it's like a fisherman sees another fisherman from afar. Like, you're just like, I can help this person. Maybe I can help this person be a better warrior than I was game and someone who can game. achieve enlightenment without having to go through all the, without having to go up to the mountain and just see total blackness and be like, fuck this. I am out. Master, should we learn about uh, enlightenment? Boring. Boring. Get that sword out. <laughs> Get that sword out. Let's fucking fly in the trees. Let's do some sweet chops. Sick chops. No, um, but I am wondering, because villainous, right? Like she's behaving villainously. Mm -hmm. And he even says... He let her go the first time because he wanted to see her true self. By offering to then again continue to teach her, or to start after that, it feels like he's saying he saw good in herself, in her true self. Right. Which is not what the movie seems to be presenting us. Right? 
I guess she wasn't killing these men. She was leaving them alive. Maybe that's what he saw. She says, I'll learn with you if you take the sword in three moves. He does it in one or two. Right. And then she goes, never, I'll never kneel. What about her does he see? Because I think we, the audience, see something. Because we assume she's going to come back to the light. I thought that was a really interesting moment about two-thirds through the movie. Why does he want to continue to teach her so much? I, again, like for me, it's always been about no, but always been about seeing like, oh, this woman. It's it, to me, it's like, oh, I see another Jade Fox. You know what I mean? Right. I think I think there's a little bit of that, and there's also I see a little bit of Jade Fox, but I also see a little bit of me, and I don't want her to be. He as, wants to not let there be another Jade Fox. That and he's all. I also think I don't want her to be as twisted up inside as I am because I'm in love with this woman and won't even admit it. And damn, that's I, heavy. I think there's a lot of heaviness to that. That I think that Lee Mubai wants to alleviate. Of uh, there's almost a uh, way that the sword, gem. yeah, the sword becomes like a divining rod. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like you have to have some kind of level of inner spirit or strength to even use that sword so there's kind of this like you know almost mystical element to her having that sword that maybe that's what draws them together yeah i did think that was strange but at the end we see that this is also just like a fucking punk kid like just an angry fucking punk kid yeah it's and at the end when given the time she does go try to get the poison to save his life because that's she the does. thing, even after because she runs, like... the Jade Fox is drugging her. Yeah. So Limu Bai dies protecting her from the fucking poison dart attack. He dies from that. And so in a way, he did teach her still. But it's like, they, I don't know. There was something there I wanted like a little more on why this one. Was it just great skill? Does great skill triumph everything else? That doesn't seem like what the movie would tell us. I just don't think it's a. I don't think it's about that at all. I think what it is is it's about she needed the guidance and he wanted to do that. Yeah, I think it's it's about wanting she to clearly mentor. needs guidance. Yes, it's about wanting to mentor someone who, like, it's like, do you know the weapon you wield? Oh yeah, it's the Green Destiny. Like yeah, but do you understand what that actually means? I think that's a huge. To me, that was yeah. like a big part of it. Is it's like. You can't let a weapon like that fall into the hands of someone who it's not just like, oh, they can't. Right. You know, any she's already weaponized her mind and heart against everyone any, else. In the world. Any falconer loving lady can wield. A Which would probably be a lot of people. That's a handsome ass falconer. But just I cheekbones th- and rib cage for days. But I think that play him like a xylophone. I think what it ends up being is. You want it to be in the right hands. If this is like a if this is a legendary weapon what you can't have it be what you can't have it is falling into the hands of a thief or a villain and th- that's just like that i mean to me that's like just general storytelling is you that and that's part of lee mubai's motivation is like i want to make sure that this sword that i'm known for that i've known been known to wield for many right. years falls well, into the hands of someone who yeah. is who has not just earned it but is the right is it's the right heir to this yeah well, the sword itself becomes a character. When people see that sword, they equate it to Lee Mubai and Justice, right? Right, exactly. So it is this kind of bat signal-like thing anyways. Uh, let's talk about the very end. Okay. Lee Mubai's dead. 
they return. She she finds her her love has been sent to this temple of of Wuhan or Wudan, whatever it is. Um, she goes and finds him. You think there's like a hit it and quit it scenario, right? Gets it, leaves. He's yeah. like, oh no, she left again. Uh, he runs outside. She's standing on the edge of the mist, and we recant this story or recall, not recant. We recall this story. Uh about the this fable about the boy who had a true heart. And if you have a true heart and you jump into the mist off the edge of this mountain, you'll be granted one wish. The falconer looks pretty resolved and he's kind of sad. He knows what she's going to do. Right. We're at a weird kind of fulcrum when we look at this from a, a wide range, right? Limu Bai has taught her another lesson has deemed her worthy and gave his life for her. So did Lynn, right? Right. She has the green destiny, right? She was chosen as the next carrier of this. She has her love, right? Jade Fox is gone. Um, despite Michelle Yeoh saying you can't run from your family, you can run from everything else but your family. She's in this moment. Why in this moment does she take that jump? Do you think she does take that jump? What is she wishing for and hoping that her heart is true enough? Because the Falconeer seems like he is pretty resigned to the fact that she's going to splatter on those rocks. <laughs> and his love is dead. I think that she... A woman who we know can fly, can physically fly. I think that... Um... I don't think he, I don't think he knows quite so well, but like, oh, they definitely were floating during intercourse for sure. <laughs> Off screen. Sorry. My bad. I forgot. We're dealing with that. Uh, yeah, I she's think like, we're going to watch, we're going to watch uh, return of the Jedi here. And she's chasing him around the cave. He's like, oh, <laughs> Hey, Hey, it's a good film. How did she's we got a little stab I, in I, I love that we got Dahmer in on this. Um, Crouching I, tiger, hidden Dahmer. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dahmer, yeah. I think that... Um, it's a baller move to stab a guy in the gut and then be like, now let's fuck. Yeah. That's a, that's, a true, that's a true power move. I, I think be, that... I would probably be super turned on. I feel like... The blood rushes like the back into my wound so it can fill my erection. <laughs> I feel like the metaphor... We're classy, too. We're classiest. I feel like the metaphor is... <laughs> she wants to see if she has the power to come back. Like, because I think that's the problem. Like, Lee Mu Bai spent his entire life dedicated to this Wudong, the art, the whole thing. Like, wanting to be the great swordsman, but not ever experiencing true love. Like, this love that he felt for this woman is buried beneath all these other things for so long. I think she's trying to... She's trying to see if she's powerful enough. So she's trying to see if she can break that cycle, maybe. You don't, don't think this is a metaphysical thing. You think she's physically jumping into this void. I mean, we haven't had a lot of metaphysical stuff in this movie. Like, if we had Except had the more... floating, yeah, that's about it. I mean, yeah, like, the floating thing is... But, like, the floating is actually happening. Like, it's never established that no one's not right. floating in this movie. No, that's so, true. So, like, to me, there's no metaphysical... There metaph is a supernatural element. I guess there could, I mean, there is, no, yeah, I, no, I, I don't think it's. to me, this is the, you jump in, right? She has her love. Limu Bai gave up everything for her. Hopefully her heart and everything is in unison. Heartbroken, but she's been re, 
directed towards the path, you would think. Jumping into that fog seems to be throwing away everything she was just given by Lee Mobile, right. right? She's throwing it all away. She doesn't throw the sword in the mist. She throws her fucking self in the mist. Right. Even if she can float this and that, we're talking about a fucking mountain. And she's floating way out. She's going to fucking die or fly, I guess. I don't die know. or fly, yeah. The question I then had to ask myself, because I'm like, why would she throw it all away, right? She got her love. I know she's heartbroken about what happened with Lee Mubai, leaving her family behind all this, right? Why would she fucking just throw it all away and commit suicide? Then you have to stop and put yourself back in the story context. Is her heart in this moment true and pure? And if it is, what wish is she trying to have filled as she floats in the void, right? That's what happens to the boy in the story. His heart is true and pure. He floats and a wish is given to him. What wish is she trying to ask? I mean, for me, I feel like it's the wish to be strong enough to return, in my opinion. Because I think that that's, that's a hard thing, to be a great warrior. To be, be a great warrior and to have some, like, when we got married, like, it's always one of those things where, you, you know, you think about, I think about, like, firefighters and all kinds of people who leave their house to do dangerous things. And it's like, I might not come back. Like, so when you're a great warrior, the idea would be, can I come back to this person? Can I, can I can I leave knowing that I'm going to return? Like it's interesting. I don't know. That's I sort feel like of she how has, there has to be something she's trying to adjust or correct when she jumps. Is that to just go back before any of this happened? Is it to not ever fucking leave the desert in the first place? Is it to not Maybe. start working with the Jade Fox? Is it to earlier align herself with Lee Mubai? I don't know. She's got a lot on her heart. Yeah, I do think the ending for me has never been kind of the poetic grand slam I think it wants to be. Sure. Because to me, it, it reads very on a surface level of her quitting. After everything we've gone to, she's quitting. And I hate that read of it. So I keep saying there has to be an intent beyond that. And I've never settled on what I think her wish would be. Because it also seems silly to finally, like, put all this straight in your head and then say, I want to go back and redo. I think that it's just... But we know that time travelers are always sad people, except for yeah. accidental time traveler Marty McFly. I mean, I guess you could say, yeah, I'm, I guess the wish could be to go back to the start. But I, don't know. I think that that's I think like... They I think they could have done this moment a little better. If I'm sure. being honest, but I also don't think it's it's a bad thing to leave your audience asking questions at the end of the movie. I agree. I what mean, do you think her wish is as she jumps, or is she full of shit and she's just over right. it? Right. I mean, look. In my opinion, your own adventure. This is why we watch movies. This is why this is why a movie like this is made because in 23 years, two fat assholes on a podcast are going to debate what her wish was when she jumped off the that's bridge. Right. That's like. That is the essence of movies, and I think that's why Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon stands the test of time as a great movie. So, I, I you know, it's, it's a one. I mean, 
it's visually stunning. The performances are dynamic and amazing. Uh, the choreography is fucking awesome. Right? And that that's, to me, it's just, it's, it's on a surface level, this fucking powerhouse kind of filmmaking. But it, those quiet fucking character moments to me. Right. Are where it really just kind of ascends. I mean, this movie really does pretty much everything right. If you're talking about like how you make a movie, this one doesn't miss very often. Yeah. Just a great film. That's it for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Hopefully our episode doesn't make you want to jump into a Misty Fjord. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back next week with a Jamie Lee Curtis gym. We're trying to decide which Jamie Lee Curtis movie still. Uh, so we'll get back to you on that. Um, guys, if you like the show, support the show. Patreon.com slash Pod, the best way to help us grow this thing. We appreciate it uh, that those of you, uh, that there are those of you who do support us. So thank you. If you have the ability to support the show, thank you as well. If you can't, leave those five-star ratings and reviews. More specifically, send an episode directly to a movie-loving friend you have, and we'll take it from there. Uh, thank you guys so much for your time. Lots of fun stuff uh, coming up on this feed and on Patreon. Next month is going to be a banger. Uh, we're on a really good roll right now, guys. So thank you for your time. For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Sandino. Float on, friends. Float on. Float on. Float on. No, that's not how that song goes. That's no. Aerosmith. I mean, that's how I would make it go there. <laughs> we're going to listen to a song here. Watch Return of the Jedi.